0: please pray with me. Holy Spirit, who spoke to Moses from the burning bush, speak to us now in the reading and proclaiming of your word. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 28. Please listen now for the word of the Lord. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he He will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Our second reading this morning comes from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Let's listen to the word of God. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. And then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place for which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Persites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I've also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that, is, that I am who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, if I come to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, "'Thus you shall say to the Israelites, "'I am has sent you.'" God also said to Moses, "'Thus you shall say to the Israelites, "'The Lord, the God of your ancestors, "'the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, "'and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. "'This is my name forever, "'and this is my title for all generations.'" My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So if we had a Bible story top 10, I got to believe that the life of Moses would certainly be up there around two or three. We love these expansive biblical stories, the ones that we, most of us and many of us know from heart. As I retold the story of Moses' life to the children during the children's message I'm sure it conjured up in many of you this important person, Moses, and his story. Now for most of us boomers and beyond, I'm sure that we can't help in our minds' eye see Charlton Heston billing out, let my people go, as he stood before Pharaoh in that 1956 classic by Cecil B. DeMille, The Ten Commandments. And I'm also sure that just as many of you have no clue as to the reference that I just made, so Google it. But more importantly today, I want you to think about and remember where you heard that story, where you became known and real to the stories of the Bible, where your heart was set aflame by God. These places are sacred. They are holy ground. I ask the children to close their eyes and imagine what that burning bush might look like. I'd like each of you to take a moment, a moment to remember that sacred place where God became real to you and was not just some story out of a dusty old book, but a time where someone or some place beckoned you to stand on holy ground a place where the living God stirred your heart. So take a moment and imagine. I hope for many of you that that experience was pleasant and energizing, one that filled you with a bit of peace and, yes, warmth. Sacred spaces can look and be as varied as we are. It might be a church, a classroom, a youth retreat, a prayer group, or it might be on the beach or up in the mountains. It might be an old home or a new one. Sacred spaces are important for us to have. They ground us back to reality, they pull us in from our over inflated image of ourselves and back to the person. That God intended us to be. Now Moses eventually found his sacred space, even though he wasn't really looking for it. In the telling of Moses's escape from Egypt, we see no flowery words of call or divine leadership. We only see Moses running for his life. We do not see Moses as an overly religious person or that he practiced his Hebrew faith in his early life. Moses, the royal prince of Egypt, is fleeing the royal life in the palace for another reason. Moses saw an Egyptian abusing a Hebrew, scripture says, one of his own people. Moses quickly looked around and Presumably to make sure that no one was watching, and he killed the Egyptian, and he hid his body in the sand, not exactly the actions of a pillar of the church. The next day, he saw two Hebrew men fighting, and he decided to break it up, but his intervention was not welcome, and one of the men made it clear that Moses was no prince over the Hebrew people no matter what his status was in Pharaoh's house. And even more, he made it clear that Moses' murder of the Egyptian was now not a secret. Even Pharaoh knew about it and was searching for Moses and planned to kill him. So Moses fled to the desert, the wilderness, and he ended up at a place called Midian. He was welcomed into the house of of the priest of Midian named Jethro, He would marry Jethro's daughter, Zipporah, and he would name his first child Gershom, which means stranger in a strange land. Now, if you're running from your past, I'm not sure you can get much farther than to name your firstborn son a stranger in a strange land. And this also may give us a little insight into how far Moses really was from the people he loved, and the God he really didn't know. So a member of Pharaoh's household and a man under Pharaoh's protection came to be a foreigner in Midian, tending his father-in-law's flock, searching to find himself, his true self, the man God had all along intended him to be. Arriving at this mysterious Mount Horeb, With his flock, and Horeb means glowing or heat, and which is not a bad name for a mountain in the desert, Moses encounters a burning bush. An angel of the Lord speaks to him and calls him, and Moses replies, here I am. Moses' reply is nearly identical to the one in Genesis when God calls Abraham to the holy mountain to sacrifice Isaac. And then we also hear it repeated in 1 Samuel when the Lord calls Samuel, repeating his name as Moses, and receiving the same response, here I am. In the Gospel of Luke, a similar conversation occurs between the angel Gabriel and Mary. When she is told of the amazing things that God is about to do, Mary says, here I am, the servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. Throughout the scriptures, whenever faithful servants respond to God's call in humble obedience, they become intricately involved in God's savings acts for God's people. Of course, we have some other references for which the living God touches lives. I couldn't help but think of John Wesley, the Anglican priest and the founder of the Methodist Church, On May 24th, 1738, Wesley reluctantly was attending a Bible study on Aldersgate Street in London. As he heard a reading from Martin Luther's translation of Paul's letter to the Romans, he says he felt his heart strangely warmed. Wesley wrote later that night in his journal, he said that about at 8.45, while Paul was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me for the law of sin and death. In one of my devotions I read this week, I ran across a description of Augustine about his encounter with God as God placed God's call on Augustine's heart. He wrote, You called and cried to me and broke open my deafness, and you sent forth your beams and chased away my blindness. I hunger and thirst for you. You touched me, and I have burned for your peace. And I certainly think the disciples who instantly dropped whatever they were doing to follow Jesus, leaving behind their families, their jobs, their friends, dropping it all for an encounter with the living God. For some, it's a bush that burns. For some, it's an encounter of a faithful friend or teacher. But God's word and God's spirit are working each and every day to shape and mold us to be who we are called to be. Brevard Springs Childs, who was born in Columbia, South Carolina, was an Old Testament scholar and professor at Yale University for over 40 years. He wrote this about Moses' encounter with the burning bush. What began as just another day, doing the same old thing, turned out to be absolutely new experiences for Moses. The old life of shepherding had ended. The new life of delivering was beginning. The transformation is recorded in the interaction of God with Moses. The initiative is shifted from Moses to God. The ordinary experience emerges as the extraordinary. The old has been transformed to the new." when we engage the burning bushes of our lives, when we engage the living God who speaks the truth in love, then we are transformed. We are made new. We are shaped back into the child of God that was created and that the world has distorted. Now, I have never actually encountered a burning bush, but I sure have encountered the living God. I've encountered God in the midst of God's people, being part of faithful worship and leading worship, breaking bread and sharing meals, standing at gravesides and holding precious children during a baptism. Notes of encouragement and words of affirmation from my church family all speak and feel of the living God and God's call that is placed on my life. I've also encountered God in the open field, as the wind sweeps through the grass. I certainly have felt God's presence while hiking in the mountains or walking on the beach. I've heard the voice of God through others' wise counsel, or when I was a young boy through through my great uncle Rollins, when we would slip off from our chores to go fishing in one of the ponds on the farm. He filled me with wonder as he regaled me with stories of the great war, and his exploration of Europe and the world, and how now he enjoyed the simple pleasures he found in small-time farming in a small town. Yes, God works and speaks through imperfect and broken people, just as God worked through a stranger in a strange land like Moses to do great things for God's people. God is continually working to shape us and mold us throughout our lives. So what is your sacred space? Where do you engage the burning bush that has been placed in your life? What unexpected place is God engaging you in the sacred life? It doesn't really have to be very dramatic like a bush on fire. It can even be the gentle voice in the wind, if you listen. God is calling us to reshape and reform ourselves into the children of God that we were intended to be, to do God's work, to do the work that God has called us to do, each and every one of us. Now let the people of God say, Amen.